I say good morning, Harvest Rochester. I am Obed, and um, with me is my wife, my life's partner, my ministry partner, Joy. Yes, so I'm from Jamaica. We are that Irie liquor nation, that cool runnings nation. And, uh, so we are here in the U.S. Uh, receiving training um, until November when we will return to plant a life-giving, God-glorifying church in our city, Spanish Town, where we live. The initial plan for my training was that I should be in Chicago, but God had other plans. So my training base here in the U.S. is in uh, Davenport, Iowa, and that includes hands-on experience with other churches, particularly churches that will be coming alongside us to get the church planted in Spanish Town, Jamaica. So today we are super excited that this is the beginning of a relationship and a partnership with this church, and we are confident that God will bless us, our union together. Pastor Steve is not here, but we, are, we know that his heart for Jamaica is just huge and for the advancement of the gospel throughout all the earth. And I'm truly appreciative for the confidence that he has placed in me uh, to give me the opportunity to speak from his podium. So Joe and I are also thankful to Pastor Matt, and, and his wife, and to Mallory, and other staff members who are making our stay here really comfortable. May God continue to bless you, bless this church, and advance his kingdom through the work here at Harvest Rochester. But right now, we want to get into God's word, because I know Harvest is about God's word. We are going to be in the book of Psalm, and I'm asking you right now to turn with me to Psalm 119, and we will, I'll meet you there in just a few moments. Recently, I heard a pastor friend of mine say that it seems to be his natural tendency for him to want to oppose and do the opposite to what he's been told. And for those of us who have children, yeah, we, we, we can understand that. And if truth be told, um, maybe, you know, we see that in our own self, that same tendency of wanting to do life on our own. Possibly even right now as I have asked you to turn to, to Psalm 119, there could be someone there sitting and say, hey, I'm not ready for that. I'll turn when I want to turn. <laughs> but I trust you are not like that. The children of Israel, the original audience to whom this psalm was written, they struggled a lot with obeying God. It was like they were on a roller coaster with God. And we know where all that started, right? No? Yes, that all started with Adam and Eve, who listened to Satan's lie. They believed they would have a more fulfilling and satisfying life by obeying Satan's instructions rather than God's word, which he spoke to them directly. And this has plunged the world into chaos leaving in us all that same inclination to want to do things our own way. And a famous artist here in your country even wrote a song and celebrate doing things his own way by saying, I did it my way. All right. Since August 9th, my, 9th, my wife and I have been driving to various places here in the U.S., far and familiar places. Can you imagine us driving from 
Iowa to Cleveland, oh my God, would have circled my island a couple of times. And I just can't begin to imagine what it would be like if we decided that we would not listen to that little voice on our GPS anymore because we just got this. I just got this. <laughs> All right. I'm pretty sure, really certain, would have gotten lost. Maybe we would have ended up in some other states other than where we wanted or intended to be. Maybe some dead end, maybe, or somewhere leaving us frustrated and unhappy. But my brothers and sisters, this is exactly how some people go through life in pursuit of happiness. So many of us try to do life on our own. We try to live without following God's GPS, the Bible, God's direction to me and to you. Man has tried to gain happiness through various methods, a life of fame, of riches, educational pursuit, bad habits, gambling, substance abuse, and the sexual promiscuity and perversion. And I dare say, there may be someone here today, maybe even you, who has tried pursuing life on, on their own way. However, there is hope. And you see me raise my hand because, I am, <laughs> yeah, I tried that myself. However, there is hope. This morning, I will share with you directly from God's word, the way to true happiness. Before we go any further, may just, can we just pray right now that we will receive God's word and commit to being obedient to it. So Heavenly Father, I thank you that you made us and that you didn't just leave us to figure things out on our own in this world, but you gave us your word, God. You gave us your inspired word. You gave us your word which is sufficient to teach and to encourage us, to correct us and to train us in the path of righteousness. Help us today, God, to receive your word and to commit to live our lives in obedience to it. Amen. So I trust you are at Psalm 190 now. And everybody's on the same page, all right? So um, I'm not going to do all Psalm 119. I'm going to do the first. Oh, I, yeah, bless God, you were wondering. Yeah, we are going to do the first eight verses. And I'll read while you follow in your own Bible. Blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart, who also do no wrong but walk in his ways. You have commanded your precepts to be kept diligently. Oh, that my ways may be steadfast in keeping your statutes. Then I shall do, then I shall not be put to shame, having my eyes fixed on all your commandments. I will praise you with an upright heart when I learn your righteous rules. I will keep your statutes. Do not utterly forsake me. Our passage before us this morning shows us that obedience to God's word is the way, the only way to true happiness. The word for true happiness is the first word, and you may want to look at it in our text, blessed. Blessed means life at its fullest, absolute happiness. The Bible calls this the abundant life. In John 10, 10, Jesus said, I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And the beauty about this, brothers and sisters, is that true happiness is available to everyone. 
That is so cool. Everyone who is willing to live their lives in obedience to God's word. It's not only to those of certain social or economic class or ethnic groupings or political persuasions. But as the word said, all those. It's wide open to whoever will choose to put their faith in Jesus Christ and be committed to living a life of obedience to his word. Some people think that true happiness is that emotional high we get when things are going great, when the stock market is up, when uh, you know, you're having success in business or in school or you're just hitting those grades in college or you're having a fantastic family or your sports team is winning. So I'm seeing a lot of my friends now are just so hooked to the TV since I'm here because it's, so is it Super Bowl? Uh, it is football and uh, that other Hockey, right, yeah, so, so it's like, yeah, you know, it's, that's happiness for some people. But true happiness, my friends, is, is, is much more, much more than that. And don't get me wrong, those things are really good when they are, you know, achieved and used in the right way. True happiness might not even include some of the world's wealth and, and, and goods. You see, Bible says one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possession, said in verse Luke 12 and verse 15. But true happiness consists of those priceless virtues which include joy, love, true contentment, faith, and peace. Peace that can guide us, guide you through unbelievable circumstances with a smile on your face and a hope in your heart. Let me share with you an experience that I had in 2015. In 2015, I was diagnosed with having a large tumor sitting on the base of my brain. Um, they call it a macroadenoma something, <coughs> right? So they said that micro was this and macro was that, but mine was double the size of macro. So I was off the chain. And this was really a, a challenging time for my family. My, so... My siblings, some who live here and others in Canada, and my friends across Jamaica, they came visiting Obed. So it's like, hey, we just want to see him because, like, he's going out, <laughs> you know? And, um, but to their surprise, I was most hope-filled and full of life when they came to see me. Uh, some of them left crying because they figured that the tumor was so bad that it's um, affecting my brain, so I'm not even aware of how... Oh, what is happening to me? And I know it was not because I was brave or, you know, because I, I was brave, really. It wasn't that. Because really, there were some times when I felt scared. There were some times when I felt scared, but my, my, my fate just soared to a position where it has never been before. And, and so I gained strength from recalling God's word from, you know, letting the word of Christ dwell in, in me richly at that time and listening to worship music. And that really brought me the peace that I've never experienced before. I had this peace and assurance that if I died, I would only be in transition to live with God forever in heaven where there would be no more death, no more sadness, no more pain, no more tumors, no more cancers but only joy, 
only in the place where true happiness will be forevermore. And that kept me really good. So let me share with you what this text says that we can, how we can find true happiness. And here's my first point. Follow God's direction. Let me clarify something. As you look back in the scriptures there, just, just look with me. Uh, you would you'd see a number of different words right here in the text. That's law, testimonies, precepts. Are you seeing those? Statutes, commandments. They all refer to the same thing. The word of God. The psalm is a wisdom psalm. It's a psalm that teaches spiritual and moral and ethical conduct in keeping with God's word. The writer praises God's word and pledges himself to be faithful in following God's direction. And we should praise God's word too. Amen? But what does it mean to follow God's direction? It is right here in, in the text. Look at verse 1. It said, Blessed are those whose way is blameless. And here it comes, who walk in the law of the Lord. So to follow God's direction, we must walk in his word. The word walk and way, I'm sure you're looking at the text, you've seen those words so many times. Walk and way, as we see in verse 1 and verse 3, refer to our manner of living, your lifestyle, your conduct, your behavior, your values, and your attitudes. And so to walk, walk in God's word means that your way of living is being directed, being guided by the word of God. Your activities, the activities that you participate in, the places you go, how you conduct your business, how you treat your staff and your family and your neighbors. It means that you live your life in alignment to God's word. And so, let's think about this. If you're going on a walk, you, 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 you most likely would have a goal or a destination in mind, a route that you'd want to take. Then you set out and get started moving one step at a time, staying focused, paying attention to all the signs and signals and the obstacles in the way and obeying what they say. So you can have this great walking experience. And uh, I've seen so much walking being done here, and I must congratulate you guys. But in Jamaica, we don't walk, we run. <laughs> yeah, right. But we know it's not always like that. Sometimes we veer off course, right? We, we deviate and we take detours and we, we end up losing our way. So we want to do things our way, and many times we end up losing our way. But this is what you can do to live in obedience as you follow God's word and walk in his word. We can develop a discipline to read God's word daily, to study it, meditate on it, and fill our minds. I'm not talking about meditation where you empty your minds. This is about filling your minds with the truth of God and submit yourself consistently to obey its teachings and instructions and the warnings that are there for us. In doing so, God blesses us with this wonderful blessing of being blameless. It is great to be honest, law-abiding citizens or that you are someone who do good things, right? 
But blameless here means much more than that. It doesn't mean that we are perfect. It doesn't mean that we are incapable of sinning. But this is talking about something that Jesus does for you when you accept his word and make him your Lord and Savior. He forgives all our sins and remove all our guilt and all our shame and declares us blameless before his Father. Isn't that awesome? Can we celebrate God this morning? So we are blameless not because of our good works, but because we are obedient to God's word and that his grace has made us blameless before him. And this is so awesome. Jude 1 and 24 says, No to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. And that what God, got what God will do for the one who obeys his word. You accept him as their Lord and Savior. He gives you life, abundant life, and presents you blameless before God. But there's more. When we follow God's direction, we walk in God's word, but we also must keep God's word. Look at verse 2a and you'll see that. Blessed are those who keep his testimony. To bless, best explain what it means to keep God's word, look down with me at verse 11 in, in the same text. It's not our, our selected text this morning, but just look down a little further there at verse 11. Here the psalmist says, I have stored your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. The original language in which the text was written, heart means the center, the innermost part of who we are, our faculties, our mind, our will, and our emotions, and our intellect. To keep God's word is like that. You know, sometimes we, we see children um, clinging on to things, and that is it, how it is with us when we have precious things to hide. We find somewhere that is safe, and we cling on to stuff that are precious to us. And that is how God's word is, brothers and sisters. There is a sense of importance and value and ownership to the word of God. He said, I will keep it. And this is how we are to grasp it. This is how we are to grasp God's word. With our whole heart. Hold it firmly in our heart and apply it to our actions. Proverbs 4.23 tells us, and you know why we need to apply God's word and hold it and keep it in our heart? Because our heart is prone to wonder. Proverbs 4.24 said, Above all things, guard your heart, for everything you do flows out of it. Jeremiah 29 and, and verse 9 says, The heart is deceitful and above all, and above all things, desperately sick, and who can understand it? And so, so the heart is, is this, you know, we are tempted from time. It's prone to wander off and to do activities that are not in alignment with God's word. I don't know about you, but my heart is like that sometimes. And so when you feel like you want to get even with somebody, to hit back or to, for persons who have done you wrong, the word of God that you store in your heart will come to the defense or, or the offense 
to defend you from yielding to that temptation. So we need, as the word said, let the word of God dwell in you richly. See, the Bible describes the word of God as a sword. It is part of our spiritual arsenal. It is living and active. There is power in the word. So keep it alive in your heart. Use it. Speak it over your life. Pray it over your circumstances. Keep God's word in your heart. But there is more as, there's even more as we, we try to go through this text this morning. We must follow God's direction and must seek him. But look at verse 2b to 3. It says also that we should seek him with... Uh, he, uh, yeah, let me just read that. Look at verses 2b to 3. It says, Who seek him with their whole heart, who also do no wrong, but walk in the way of the Lord. So we should seek God. And to seek God with your whole heart in this context means that we ask him for guidance and for instruction and advice with the intention to obey. You know, when, when you're making critical decisions, decisions will, that will have far-reaching effects, we usually go to someone for guidance and for instruction and for counsel, someone who we trust, someone who we think, believe, they've got the know-how and the knowledge of how to solve this situation and to give us advice. And usually we take the advice, don't we? <laughs> right. So if we were looking for a house, we would go to a Rialto. Uh, if we were starting up a business, we would look to engage an accountant and a lawyer to sort out the books and to make sure things are going great. If, if you were sick, you would seek a doctor. All right? And if you were looking to get married, anybody looking to get married? You would talk to Pastor Matt or Pastor Steve or you would seek a, a marriage counselor. So you see, when you seek God, you must trust him with everything, with your whole heart, as the text says. So it's not a casual, insincere, by the way, let me see what God's opinion is on, on this. And yeah, I still have my own, if I have my own opinion on that, then I don't have to obey God. <laughs> no, it's not like that. It's more like, yes, God, you have full knowledge of all things. You know what's best for me, God, and I trust you. I believe you. You are the God of ultimate wisdom. You are the omniscient one with all capabilities. So I seek you. I seek you with all sincerity. And what you say, I will do. Are you seeking God like that for anything right now? Are you looking at a house? What about school? What about relocating from here? What about someone to... to for a life's partner. Seek God with our sincerity. Brothers and sisters, we have access to God's superior wisdom through his word. No other book chronicles the mind of God and all matters pertaining to life. There is nothing you need, nowhere you need guidance on your life that the Bible do not have a direct answer for or a principle to apply. Whatever your struggle is, whatever your need for direction and guidance, Seek God's wisdom. He will help you make the right decision. 
We just sang, never gonna let, never gonna let him down. Never gonna let. That's our God. He will not let you down. The word says, you, you, you will also do no wrong. When you seek him with your heart, Jeremiah 33 says, when you call upon me, I will answer you and I will show you great and mighty things that you do not know of. And Jeremiah 29, 13 also said, you will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. You know, some people in Jamaica, when they're sick like how I was and or in other cases, they feel like uh, doctors can't help them anymore, they would go to what we call in Jamaica, Obiaman. So they are seeking wisdom outside. It's like voodoo, right? And so I'm saying, you have tarot cards reader here and psychics. I'm saying, don't go to those people. Seek God through his holy word. Seek God through prayer and fasting. And through the advice of wise, godly counsel. So today, God is saying to you, whatever your situation is, seek me. Seek me. And you will find me. There's no other way, my friends, to find true happiness. You must follow God's word direction. Walk in his word, keep his word, and seek him. But you must also focus on God's word. In the Old Testament, the children of Israel had a rigorous, almost impossible system of keeping God's law. It involved animal sacrifice, observant of certain feasts and, and certain days. And it included teaching the word of God to the children, to talk about the word of God in their homes, in the nighttime, in the daytime, in the marketplace, throughout the day. It even involved them strapping on the word of God to their hands. So, you know, they will never lose sight of what that is. That was serious stuff. You can read that in Deuteronomy 6 and, verse 20, 6 and chapter 28 as well. God wanted his people to be focused, steadfast, diligent. This is what we, we just see here. In the, in the verse it said, You have commanded your precepts to be kept diligently. Oh, that my way would be steadfast in, in keeping your statutes. Then I shall not be put to shame. Having my eyes, can we say that? Fixed. Having my eyes? Fixed. fixed. Having my eyes? Fixed on all your commandments. God wanted his people to just be locked in, to be laser focused. He wanted them to see it, hear it, everywhere they go. So it could become, as it is for us even now, his GPS, directing their action on their daily lives so that they can live in loving kindness and experience his blessings. This is how the writer says it. You have commanded your precepts to be kept diligently. Oh, that my way may be steadfast. Then I shall not be put to shame of in my eyes fixed on your commandments. Too bad many countries and families and individuals are removing the focus of biblical principles to guide their lives and to guide their countries. And oh, what a shame we are experiencing today. Unfortunately, your country and my country 
we are seeing firsthand the results of a nation of nations that try to remove God's word from guiding their lives. You know what the Bible says in Proverbs 13 and 34? Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach. Bad stuff is going to happen to us if we lose focus, we take our focus off God's word, and we apply it to other things. But it's not easy to stay focused, is it? It's not easy for me at all. See, there's so much distractions in the world today. So many things trying to vie for our attention to keep us distracted and from keeping us focused on God's word. Our busy lifestyle, social media. Now you have Facebook. Uh, you call them? Twitter and Instagram. WhatsApp. You don't know them here in America? Yeah, there's just all these stuff and things are just coming at us and we just want to be in the know. And so we're just moving from here to there. I'm not talking just about you, I'm talking about me too. I have two phones, you know. And so we, are, we all have this challenge. And then there are these new philosophies being popped up every day. So some are now saying that the Bible is irrelevant for our times. But God's word was good for the original audience, amen? And it's good for us today. So how do you keep focus on God's word? It starts with having a strong desire to want to obey it. That was the psalmist's passionate heart's cry. Oh, that my way may be steadfast in keeping your statutes. God, I strongly want to obey what you say. I want to obey your word. I want to practice your word. I want your word to be my GPS. And that must be our heart's cry, brothers and sisters. That's my heart's cry. And I pray that that is your heart's cry. Help me, God, to have a burning desire to obey your word. But not only must we have a strong desire, but we must take decisive action. We know that no matter how strong the desire is to obey God's word, nothing will happen until we do something about it. So what can we do? Get rid of the distractions. Manage our social media time more effectively. Get rid of the godless content and unnecessary activities that clutter our daily life so we can make more time to read God's word. We want to keep in touch. I'm not saying don't be on Facebook. I'm not saying that. I don't know what would happen to my wife and my daughter if I say that. Probably we'll have some big... Because we just love to keep in touch. But we have to manage it, man. God's word is too precious. God's word is, has, has everything in it for us. So we have to manage our social media and some of the clutter that's in our lives, we can, we can really get that out to make more time for God's word. Amen? Yeah, in Jamaica, when, when preachers say something right, they say amen. All right. Um, you can. So another thing we can do... <laughs> Another thing we can do is to love the fellowship of the saints. Make coming together to worship God your delight. Hebrews 10.25 says, Do not neglect to meet together as the habit of some is, but en come encouraging one another. And all the more as we see the day drawing near. 
You see, we need to come together to, as the Bible says, iron sharpens iron. As far as is humanly possible, brothers and sisters, I'm encouraging you this morning to make it your effort to be a church, to participate in the worship general here and in all the Bible study and small groups that Harvest puts on for you. Because one thing we can be sure about Harvest, since I'm plugged in to Harvest from uh, late last year, one thing I'm sure about every Harvest church that I've been, it's about the centrality of the Word of God. So when you come here, you are sure that you are going to be fed. The Word is going to be open, and you are going to be edified by something that is going to be shared here. You know, Psalm 84 said, you know, uh, better is one day in your house than thousands elsewhere. There's nowhere like in the house of God, my brothers and sisters. He manifests his presence when his people come together and worship him. Amen? Amen. So make it a habit to come and worship together and delight in the fellowship of the saints. What we can do also to keep focus is to make it easy to access the word of God so you can read it or, or listen to it. Have multiple Bibles if you can afford it. You can keep one in your car or you could put them several places. Um, I even read in my bathroom. I hope that's okay with God. But I, 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 just, I just read everywhere, you know. And you can download it on your phone, including audio versions. So you can listen to the Word of God even while you're traveling. And in your vehicles or wherever you are. If you were picking up somebody, like, you know, come to get me at the airport and the plane delayed, you could just... Listen some word of God. So this will help us to, to uh, memorize scripture. The more we repeat it, the more we hear it, the more we, we will, it will be embedded in us and the more it will be effective in guiding us. But not only must we follow God's direction and focus on God's word, we must also respond with worship. Verse 7 to 8 says, I will praise you with an upright heart when I learn your righteous rules. I will keep your statutes. Do not utterly forsake me. To better explain this, I, I will read the verse this way. Uh, and I assure you, elders, I am not adding or subtracted from the scriptures, all right? I read it this way for better understanding. I will start at, when I learn your righteous rules, I will praise you with an upright heart. I will keep your statutes. Do not utterly forsake me. Usually it's after we learn something, after we have learned something, that we are now in a position to make a conclusion and to make decisions. Isn't that so? Right, I heard you. But to, to learn something requires discipline. For those of you who are studying, for those of you who have studied uh, you know, over the years, you know the long hours of research and study study and writing papers and group sessions and uh, exams. But later, after you have learned, there is this result in this great blessing and celebration. For the writer of the psalm, he learned through the system of rigorous Old, Test rigorous Old Testament system of the law. But when he learned God's righteous law, he became aware of the truly blessed state his life was now in, a position without blame, without shame, not wanting to purposely do wrong and having a clean heart before God. 
And that's you and that's me, brothers and sisters, who have learned and applied God's word to our hearts. And so, because we are in this position, we should, like the psalmist, commit to say, I will praise you with an upright heart, God. He, he made a commitment to worship God as an act of adoration, in the great, as a grateful recognition of the wonderful things God has done for him. Has God done anything wonderful for you? Has he done wonderful things for you? And this is the posture and the position that our hearts need to take in recognition of his love and his greatness. And above all things, making us clean and pure and without blame before the Father. And so we should respond with worship. He then makes a commitment and a resolve to obey God's word. He said, I will. Can we say that together? I will. Uh, are you, you, do you really want to? Okay, let's say this together. I will keep your statutes. Let's be resolute. This is a willing and voluntary action on his part to draw close to God and to be more like him. It was a voluntary submission to God's plan and a resolute recognition of God's glory of God's glory and truth. But even as he said, I will, I will, and even as we say, I will, I will today, we know it's, it's a challenge at times. We know it's hard to do. We want to really obey. We want to really worship. But he recognized that in himself, he, he could not do that. So he cries out, God, please help me. Do not leave me alone. He says, do not utterly forsake me. I want to worship the Lord with all of my heart. I want to stay true to your word, God, but I need your help. See, we are under the new covenant of grace through the cross of Calvary, but the principles still remain the same today. Obedience to God's word, words, desires, he Obedience is what God desires, and he is going to honor and bless all of us who honor and submit to him. Loved ones, this is what you and I must do today as well. Make a personal commitment to live a life of worship unto God, both personally and corporately. Because, you see, true happiness can only be achieved when our lives are aligned with God, when we adore him, when we Lift up his name. True happiness comes only from a life surrendered to God. Brothers and sisters, truly, we are the ones who know what true happiness is. If you have been set free from condemnation, from guilt and shame, and is declared righteous before God, then we should celebrate God. We should truly celebrate Him. We should adore Him and honor Him. But there might be some of you to he here today who have not said yes to Jesus. I just want you to know that Jesus is here today and He wants to give you true happiness. He wants to give you true life. He wants to give you life that is not circumstantial. He wants to give you abundant life, a life that is beyond this world. So if you are here and you have not said yes to Jesus, workers will be down here, pastor will be down here. We will be happy to share with you how you can 
you know, get your life on track with God. And for those of you who are already a believer, it's really hard. You've got a lot of stuff to do, but we have to really obey God's word, be true to it, and make the time to delve into the word, dive into it. The Bible says there is a way that seems right to man, but the end thereof is death. God's way is the only way to true happiness. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your words, God. Your word is life. Your word is meat. Lord, your word is all we need to guide us to the path of happiness, true happiness, to the abundant life. It's in your word that we read about Jesus dying to save us. It's in your word that we find comfort, God. It's through your words that we find direction for our lives. So we thank you for your word, your word which is inspired by the Holy Spirit. But God, we are challenged at times to be obedient to it. We want to do life our own way. So I call on you, Almighty God, just to help us today to make this commitment that we will be obedient to your word as you strengthen us, as we get rid of the clutter out of our lives. As Lord, as we make a decisive action. And God, I pray for those who might be here this morning, this afternoon, God, who have not said yes to you, that you will give them holy boldness to recognize that the only way to true happiness is to be obedient to your word. Your word that says, Come unto me, all you are labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So I pray, God, that you will grant holy boldness now. Save people and encourage your saints. We thank you, God. Amen. <laughs>